Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I am back after a four-plus-year hiatus. I have reengaged with Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I um, actually had stepped away from writing for a little bit because of family and other obligations, but um, probably about two years ago, I started writing again, and I was able to um, write what I think was one of my best books so far, Johnny Be Good, and that was released this um, this month. And then I slowly but surely started getting reengaged with the writing community, and that's why I decided to um, to start my radio show again. And the the response from um, authors who want to appear on my show has been tremendous. And so I have 30 plus people who want to be interviewed, and so we're going to be having some really really great interviews coming up. So please um, take uh, take a look at our Facebook fan page. Please like it if you, um, if you want information about the show. And then I also have a page on my website where I announce all of my guests, and that's at BernadetteWalsh.com. I also have some wonderful, wonderful interviews in the archives, over 58 interviews with some um, amazing authors such as Kristen Higgins um, and many others. So please check those out as well. I am so pleased um, to introduce my next guest, Elizabeth Grace. Elizabeth writes paranormal, contemporary, and historical romances. A native of California and a professor of English literature, Elizabeth currently resides in Las Vegas. Her titles include Your Heart Only and Fate Smart Match. So welcome, Elizabeth, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm so pleased you could join me today. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little nervous since I haven't done this show in a while, but I, I think it's going to be great. Um, so maybe you can tell us um, a little bit about where you're originally from and um, and how, when you first started writing. I, like I said, like you said, I'm a native Californian, uh, third generation. I taught in the University of California system for years, and I've been writing probably most of my life, like most writers but officially started romance writing in 2008. Um, I retired, and this is my career now, and I am loving every minute of it. I think, for me, it's more than a passion. It is like the air we breathe. So I'm having a great time. That's great. And so um, when are you self-published, or are you with a, a publisher? I'm self-published. Um, I explored uh, traditional publishing and decided um, I'm, I'm one of those individuals who's more interested in um, loving the process, being in control of what I write, how long it takes me to write, uh, the kind of characters that I, I um, want to see on the page. And as someone who believes strongly in diversity, um, I didn't want uh, the representations that I do to be contained. So mm-hmm. I chose the self-publishing route, but I'm not opposed to being a hybrid publisher at some point in my career. Right, right. Well, it's funny. Um, 
I, I really, what you said about diversity and being able to write what you want really hit home with me because I did start off with a small publisher, Lyrical Press, and that was then subsumed by Kensington. Um, but as I went on with my writing career, I felt like um, a lot of my books crossed genres or I sometimes yeah. wrote about, I mean, I think most of my books don't really fall squarely into um, maybe the, the, the romance formula. Um, and so right. I feel like I spend more time with my books than anyone else, and I want to write what I want to write. And so that's exactly. one of the, the benefits. Um, that's what really drew me because I, I just felt like for years I was pitching and, and truly people would be like, oh, I love your writing. But, and I, I met with one um, agent, and she's like, I love your writing. But, you know, this really needs to be more like um, this book. She, she, I can't remember the name of the book. But it was something that was so unlike what I was trying to say in my book. And she's like, you really need to change yeah. the ending. You really need to rewrite the whole thing. But I really love you, and maybe we can do representation. <laughs> and she was like a high-powered – like, in retrospect, like, maybe I should have done that, right, because she's a really high-powered agent, and I was really lucky that she even looked at me. And I – I was too green to realize my, my luck, but I also, it didn't resonate with me. I said, you know, I don't write happy, you know, fluffy romances because I'm not a happy, fluffy person. I want to wa write what I want, want to write. And so, right. so that what you just said really resonated with me. So in what way do you think you have more freedom? Like how has that expressed itself in your writing? Well, for example, when I created um, Fate's Match, it is a, uh, 16th century, late 16th century, historical slash paranormal. Um, it's inspired by uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost. It's also an interracial romance. So it had romance, history, and paranormal all at work in one, you know, 165-page um, uh, book. And when I... Um, submitted that to traditional publishers. There were a couple of people who were very impressed with my writing, who loved the, the storyline, but wanted me to move it forward by 200 years. And um, I, I am a Shakespearean by trade. I know that history very well. And so I knew that the story could grab people if it was written correctly, if it, if, if it had the passion that I had. And so I decided to go ahead and, and do it myself. What I failed to do was promote. Um, I think the book has languished. I'm re-looking at it. I'm revising a little bit. I'm rethinking it because I wrote two additional books that grew out of that single book. And I think that's something. And one of them is late 17th century. The other one is 21st century. And I think that's the freedom that you get from self-publishing if you want to create a series. You're not locked into one subgenre of a literary category. I've always loved writing romance um, from the time that I can imagine. It's something that I've wanted to do. And it is the genre that I work in. It's the genre that I'm passionate about. And I think it's the genre that has given me, honestly, the most freedom to cross boundaries, to play mm -hmm. as I've done with things. My contemporary, which was just released, at the end of July, uh, Your Heart Only, is an African-American romance. It has professional um, characters. It deals with some trauma. Um, my main character is a survivor of domestic abuse. Um, and I've loved every bit of it because she's a Shakespearean. 
And so that, you know, I got to write a little bit about me and what I do. Um, she also allowed me to play with um, things in the Shakespeare tradition, specifically with Shakespeare and his love life. So I took um, Shakespeare's son at 1.30, um, my mistress's eyes are nothing like the sun, um, and played with it and wrote, um, imagined a love affair between him and an, a woman of African American, of African descent, and wrote love letters between them, or sort of love letters. So there are things that I did that reflect my imagination that I'm not so sure I could have pulled off within traditional publishing. So self-publishing has given me the freedom to step outside boundaries, to reimagine things um, in ways that I'm not sure I could have done if I followed a traditional path. Although right. that may be and that, and that, a little bit. I, I, you know, look, I think um, publishing, and I certainly, you know, I had one experience with publishing, but I'm certainly far from an expert. But from what I hear um, in RWA and other places, um, you know, I think publishing is trying to change because they're seeing the yeah. success of, of these unique stories. But a lot of times, you know, it, it needs one to kind of break out, and then all of a sudden that's what they want, like the vampires, right? Yeah. Or, you know, I, yeah. and so – you know, you, you've seen a lot of, I, I guess, the own voices and, and trying to make um, the genre more diverse. And I think um, because probably of a lot of the success in the, in the self-publishing, people like yourself are saying, look, I have great stories to tell and I'm going to tell them my way. Um, and so I, I think you're probably right. It seems like the publishers maybe, you know, moving more in that direction, I guess only time will tell and hopefully they'll come knocking on your door. But, um, but in the meantime, you're focused on, on yourself and telling your stories, which I think is great. Um, One of the things I wanted to get into, and you touched on it a little bit is, is your background as a professor of English literature. And so it seems like it has informed your writing and influenced your writing. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. What did you teach? Did you teach Shakespeare? Is that why you were so drawn to it and, and, and incorporated it in, in your book? I, um, pardon me, I taught Shakespeare, but I also taught um, courses on 17th century, 16th and 17th century women authors. There are quite a few of them. Um, so my background generally is within 16th and 17th century English literature. I also taught courses dealing with the emergence of race and um, gender and class as how, in terms of how these writers um, in the period drafted their, their poems, their plays, and so on. Um, I taught diversity. I also taught 20th century literature, um, 19th, 18th century literature, uh, one of the lovely things about being an English professor is that you read so widely. The hardest part, honestly, is divorcing my two voices. My academic voice, I'm still active in the profession. In fact, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. Um, in, in about two weeks uh, giving a lecture um, on, uh, on race and Shakespeare and early modern culture, English culture. So divorcing my two voices, finding the voice, for fiction and separating it from the voice that is academic has probably been the most challenging and exhilarating uh, process for me in my writing. I, I don't know how many um, professional people engage that, but uh, academic writing is very different from fiction writing. And I kept finding the bleed and trying to 
you know, not completely destroy that other voice, but also recognize that it doesn't always belong, that I can do all the research, everything. But a reader is not going to want that. She's not going to, she's not going to want the details. He's not going to want the, the little facts. They're not going to want to, the pedantic that comes with being an academic on occasion. And so that has been an amazing journey for me to find a path between those two, those two, um, two processes for writing. You know, it's so funny that you say that because everything you were saying resonates with me in my early writing because I'm a lawyer. I've been practicing law for over 25 years, and but I've always been a reader, and I actually started off life as a, an English major, and then I made the mistake of becoming an economics major, but I, I, I've always I loved that side. But, you know, again, I, you know, I did, I did maybe what my parents wanted me to do. I went to law school and, you know, I went down that path. And so when I started writing, I had been a lawyer for quite a long time. And my first attempt, you know, the first 30 pages of the first book I tried to write, it was dry. It was told from the third person. It, it sounded like a contract. It was about as exciting as a contract. Right. And so I said, oh, I guess it was horrible. Right. And I said, I guess, you know, maybe I can't do this. And I started, um, I started reading about writing, the craft of writing. Yeah. Of course, you know, right. a lawyer or an academic, right? You, I, oh, I can't do something. I'm going to research it. And I, exactly. I said, yeah. So what I did was I had to get, and I'm not a particularly emotional person in, in my real life, right? If you met me, you wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like what you would imagine a lawyer would be. But, um, but I said, that, that doesn't quite work for, for writing. So what I did was, I said, well, maybe from the first person it would change. And that was the key. That's what opened me up because I went into being that character, right? When you're writing from the first person, you become Kate Ryan, which was my first book and my first main character. And everything was through her lens. And that's where I really, it, it blossomed. And it was like a different side of my brain was awakened. And, and I actually am a very, very emotional writer which when people from my real life read it, they're like, you know, it sounds like you, but it's like, I never would have thought you had these depths because, you know, you seem like such a New York lawyer, right? <laughs> not, not this emotional, you know, character. So, but it, that's what I think is really great about exploring that other side. And it sounds like you had a similar experience because your, your writing, your fiction writing is looser, right? In some ways than your other type yeah. of writing. Yes. Well, the thing is, is that my fiction writing, um, I didn't realize that I leaned towards very vivid um, emotional descriptions. Uh, the first time I took one of my characters to um, to the bottom, I mean, right down to the bottom, I'm sitting there crying, and that's not me. Um, there have been books that have moved me, but not brought me to full t- full blown tears. And when one of your characters brings you to full blown tears, then you know you've done something right. And so what I ended up having to do was to process that moment for me. And um, the, the book that has, has probably been the most influential in terms of me writing character um, psychology and character depth is Wired, uh, Wired for Story. Um, that has made me trust my own um, thinking processes, my own emotional processes, to look inside me to see what I've buried as an academic. Because there is, in our professions, a tendency to go for the objective. 
mm-hmm. and to satisfy the subjective. And I think what's important in writing fiction is sometimes you have to let that subjectivity go and blossom and take over and run with it. And I think with my character, Amina, who watched um, um, a demon control her father and her father murder his wife, her mother, I had to get inside her to be able to pull what drove her for revenge, what made her who she is. And that's something I think the academic side of me just was like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. And so the craft books helped, but actually thinking about the emotional side that would free her to pursue revenge, I had to free myself. So you're absolutely right. Getting in touch with that emotional side of you, that side that processes spontaneously rather than objectively was so important to me and it's still important to me. I'm still learning. Um, You know, I've only published my second book uh, of fiction and I think I'm still a novice and I probably will be a novice on the 50th book. But um, that process of releasing um, the other side of you, the one that's not always rational, the one that's emotional, that's spontaneous, it has been fun, scary, but fun. Yeah. Well, I, I tell people sometimes in, instead of uh, going to a psychiatrist to work through my problems, I just open my computer <laughs> and put them on the page. Exactly. But, but I agree, as, yes. especially, um, you know, for people who who are born the professional or maybe in their day job have followed, you know, right. things that aren't as linked to the creative. I think in some ways the writing is more of a gift. And that's how I've treated it in my own life. It is really a gift to me. It's, it's oh, the one yeah. thing I can do that, is, that no one else can do, right? And there's a million lawyers out there. Yes. They can do what I do all day long. But this is the piece of myself that I can put out into the world, and it's uniquely mine. And so it sounds like maybe yes. that's what you've explored as well. And one thing I was interested in talking about, like you've, I think your, your path is a little similar to mine in the sense that it seems like you came to writing a little later in life. Do you sometimes wish you had started writing earlier in your life? I know I do. Um, I think that for me, that's that's a bit of a of a mixed bag because the life experiences that I've had are what I write about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not certain. Um, one of your questions I thought was really interesting was which of your characters are most like you. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, so far, all of my characters are like me. Um, the character in Faith's Match um, is me in my 20s, um, kind of impetuous, um, ex- an explorer, not really willing to listen to authority, um, even though she knows that that authority may have her best interests at heart like parents and grandparents and family while she's doing things that put her at risk. Um, Marissa, the character in your heart only is a Shakespearean more in control, unwilling to allow someone to um, have any authority over her um, because of her past. And I think that is something that, that has come with me being older. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that I could have written these books when I was when I was younger. I think I had to 
I think I had to grow into these characters. I think the characters had to come to me and say, you know what, it's time for you to write my story. Um, I do have the very first romance that I ever wrote. Uh, it was an imitation of Kathleen Widowiece's um, A Wolf and a Dove, uh, which was my first romance. And I love that book. And for everything that's wrong with it, I love it. For everything that got me involved in the romance um, um, reading mode, I love it. Um, my character, again, has blossomed in different ways. But I don't think I could have written what I've written um, with that first book. I really think I needed to mature as both a writer, as a reader, as a thinker, um, and as a person. So I'm going to say I'm glad I came to my writing a little later in life, uh, that the academic writing gave me the strength to deal with all of the positives and negatives that come with writing, um, that I've I'm self-taught and taught by others, and I don't know if that makes sense, but my reading has taught me what good writing looks like, and my writing has taught me that good writing is achievable. So I think I'm glad I came a little later in life. Right. Well, the reason why I, I and I, again, I thought I started writing because I've been talking about writing for years and years and years, and my husband on my 40th birthday bought me a new computer and said, stop talking about it and just do it. And so, yeah. you know, again, I, I, and that was 13 years ago. I'm, I'm letting everyone know how old I am, but um, so <laughs> it took me some time, you know, to start writing, but I started writing when I had a two-year-old child, a full-time job, a husband I had to take, you know, care of a house I had to take care of. Right. And I was thinking, well, in my twenties, I worked a lot because I was a lawyer. I worked a lot, but that's really all I had to do. I had plenty of time if I wanted to explore writing. So I picked the time of my life when I had the least amount of time to start writing. (laughs) So in that sense, I kind of wish I had started earlier, but to your point, I think I would have been a very, very different writer at 26 than I was at 42. I think I would have written a lot of those soft, fluffy, you know, like girl, you know, sex in the city type books, um, I certainly okay. wouldn't have been writing about women who are going through a divorce or women who are dealing with elderly parents or a lot of the heartache. You know what I mean? Because I hadn't experienced it at yes. 26. I certainly experienced it at 42 and at 53, you know. But um, okay. so I, I, it is a mixed bag. And I guess your writing path is what it is. So you kind of, you know, that old adage, the best time to, to plant trees 10 years ago, but the second best time yes. is today. So. You have yes. to explore that. And, um, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, the other thing about writing, there is never an absolutely perfect time to start. You start when you start. The stories will push themselves to the front of your brain and say, you know what? If you don't do it, I'm taking over. And I think that happens so often, and we talk about it, and people may think it's cliched, but it's not. The stories do take over. Um, I wrote my first draft of the manuscript that will never be published uh, while I was writing my dissertation. It got me through that dissertation. Um, My dissertation was something that um, wasn't very supportive because it was all over the map. Uh, I refused to be contained. And so the writing of the romance allowed me to channel some of that um, rebellion 
into a different form. And so the stories never left. They just reappeared at a time when they wanted to reach the world. And so I think it's important to, to pay attention to that, that, that writer in you. When it speaks to you, when they say, okay, I'm here, you listen. You, you don't silence, silence them. And for some, for some writers, and I'm one of them on occasion, I do silence myself when I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard. You know, it, it takes a certain amount of bravery because, as you said, there's so much of yourself in these characters. And to really make yeah. a, a, a good character, sometimes you have to dig in and you have to expose pieces of yourself that you don't want, you know, people at the PTA to know about, right? And so <laughs> for me, how I get past that is I write under, you know, a pen name. Bernadette Walsh is not I my do. real name. Um, yeah. So in that sense, you shield yourself a little bit. But I have sometimes, yeah. you know, people know that I write people in my life. And I've, there was one book, um, Friends Forever, that is about mm-hmm. two, two women. Um, and it actually starts off a very tragic story. It's about college roommates, and one roommate is going to the other roommate's funeral. So, you know, day one, oh, yeah. bad things happen to that. And so it's a, a lot. And I actually based it on um, where I went to college, which was a small Catholic um, college in upstate New York. And so, you know, and, and then it went into, you know, their 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 adult life. But people from my college who have read it said, well, I didn't realize that you felt this way or that you did this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not the character. <laughs> it's it's based on the locale that I know, but I actually didn't do these things. I did other things that we won't talk about, but I didn't do these things. And it's, you know, I actually posted something on my Facebook, on my author Facebook page um, saying, you know, I am not, you know, I am not my stories. I'm probably my characters and there are aspects of myself that I put into every character as every writer does. But I didn't actually right. do all these things. But sometimes people, right. when they know you, can't, you know, can't separate. So yeah. it's, it's, it does take a certain amount of bravery. I, I agree with that. Elizabeth Grace is my pen name. Oh, sorry. She's your, that's your pen name as well. Yeah. So I think yes. it gives you a little bit of shield, a little bit of cover to, yes, to explore that, those yes. sides of yourself. Now, how steamy are your books? Where would you put them in, in the range? I'd say three chilies to three and a half chilies. So um, I'm, it's explosive um, with um, lovemaking. Um, I wouldn't classify them as erotic. Um, they are steamy, though. Um, mm-hmm. I, okay. I'm, um, I, I run sort of the gamut with sexuality. The work in progress that coming out, um, which is the second book in um, the series that Fate's Match is the first book in, um, it's set in a late 17th century brothel. So I had to do mm-hmm. some research on what, you know, kinds of sex games um, existed. And surprisingly, the same ones that exist now existed then. So it's been kind of fun to write about um, People's sexuality um, in that period, um, I probably would get an R rating, um, but only because I, of, of the language. I, I use the language of the period. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's rather explicit. So I'm going to always give myself a three to three and a half hot rating, um, Chili's hot rating. So it's steamy, um, 
um, explicit, but um, I'm I'm the kind of person who, um, well, for example, uh, he uses the C word, the C slash slash T word, and um, because she is a shapeshifter, um, she teaches him a lesson, and she says in you know in the brothel that I run, we refer to it as panini. And they have this conversation right in the middle of oral sex about the use of the word panini instead of the C word. And I I was laughing while I was writing it, but I thought about that. Um, there is this very, you know, a sexy moment, very sensual moment, and they're having this playful conversation about, and kind of disturbing to him um, because of what she does. Um, but they have this moment where she is saying, this is what you will call it, you will not use that language. And yet, you know, they use the other C word, the C-O-C-A word, and so on. So I'm very um, respectful of the time period and the language that's operated within a bordello, uh, I mean, within mm-hmm. a bravo. Um, and so I'm going to say that the language is explicit. Uh, my my sex scenes are um, open sensual and, and sexy and um, uh, and playful. Um, I don't write erotica uh, because I don't think I have the imagination for it. I think I have the imagination, imagination to write steamy, sensual scenes, but not erotic. Right. And so in terms of your promotion, I, I know that you said that maybe like all of us, right, the, the writing is the fun part and the promotion is, you know, for some of us, some people are really great at it, right? And other people are like, oh, yes. you know, how do you get yourself out there? So what have you done and have you tried to focus on, you know, um, targeting a, a specific audience? Um, I uh, promoted, there's a, um, there's a, uh, uh, a website, uh, a Patreon uh, community called Women of Color in Romance. And that was my mm-hmm. first um, promotional act um, uh, when I started. I am looking at doing a virtual book tour. Uh, I'm feeling that I'm doing all that right now. So I do, I do a lot of, uh, of, of investigation before I promote because I want to make sure that it is, um, it's done well. So I'm in the process of doing that. Uh, I'm about to – I've got some bids in for BookBub, Um I'm going to do a couple of Amazon um, promotions. I decided to just kind of put it out there, give myself a break, and now work on the business side because, Mm -hmm. as everyone knows in self-publishing, the promotion takes a lot of your time, and you really have to focus on that. So I'm in between writing and revisions, and so I decided that the month of, of August was going to be learning how to promote and what I need to do to do that. So this interview is actually my first sort of jumping into the swimming pool for promotion and um, getting used to it, getting used to the idea that as um, an indie publisher, um, an an indie writer, and an indie author, I'm going to have to do a lot of the work myself. And so I've been reading what it takes to do good marketing, what, um, what works what doesn't work. Um, do Facebook ads really work in this new age of Facebook ads? 
um, but being most cost effective in terms of my promotion. Um, a lot of it's, of course, um, word of mouth, good reader responses, and um, you can't control that. Control that, but mm-hmm. um, learning how to step away from yourself as an author and think about yourself as a business person has probably been the hardest um, part of being a, being a writer, um, of not having someone out there doing it for you. So right now I'm putting all those blocks together, and September is promotion month for me for Your Heart Only and for Faith's Match and the new book that's coming out, Faith's um, Kiss. Well, I'm I'm very honored that um, I was your first uh, radio interview, and and so thanks so much for for being on the show um, and and trusting me after um, after my my four year hiatus. But I actually think we did pretty well. This was a great interview to to kick off the new season. So yeah, that was great. Well, so maybe you can. Uh, I think your show. Oh, go ahead. Just one compliment to you and your show. Um, I went through and I listened to the podcast. And I have to say that that's what reassured me that um, my usual kind of introverted self and not liking to talk about me um, kind of got soothed, if I may say, uh, and calmed because um, your engagement with your 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 guests um, was was phenomenal. It was really good. So that's all, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, it's well, you know what? I get more. I say, oh, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Well, I, I tell everyone like, I, and that's why I really missed um, not doing the show because you know I am a working mom and I don't get to go to a lot of like the the industry type events. And so this was my way of connecting with other writers. And I tell you, I've learned more um, than anyone else from every single interview, either. And it's sometimes it's just learning like to connect. And to be like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this aspect of writing. So is somebody else. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. I get more out of it than anyone. And, and I'm so pleased that this was a positive experience for you. And, you know, I, yeah, I definitely is. hope that you stay in touch. Um, I will. Before we, yes, no, you absolutely have to. And, and <laughs> certainly I would welcome you back again, um, maybe for, for some of your other, you know, I'm also going to try and do some like kind of round tables. I'm going to explore a new, you know, where we have more than one guest and we talk about like a particular topic. So if that's something yeah. you'd be interested in, I'll certainly, you know, if they, to. you know, maybe do historicals or, you know, pick, pick a, a various topic. So I'm trying to be a little more creative with, uh, with the radio show. So we'll see where that goes. But before we sign off, maybe you can just tell everyone um, again, remind them of your titles and uh, where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me at Elizabeth, E-L-Y-S-A-B-E-T-H, Grace, G-R-A-C-E, dot com. Um, my book titles are Fates Match in the series Daughters of Surya, the first book. Uh, the second book will be released late September. It's called Fates Kiss. Uh, my contemporary African-American Love Story with a Shakespearean twist is called Your Heart Only. It's part of a series called Midsummer Sisters. It's available, um, and if you go to my website, there will be links there. I'm on Twitter at Elizabeth Grace. I'm on Facebook at Elizabeth Grace, 
And I'm on Instagram, sort of, at Elizabeth Grace. Um, <laughs> I really yeah, I'm not good with Instagram, Instagram either. It's funny. Like, <laughs> I I'm a, can't. I'm, I'm not, over I, Twitter. I'm, yeah, I can do Twitter. I can do Facebook. I don't know why. I, I, Instagram, I couldn't really do. Pinterest, I kind of gave up on that. It's hard. Well, you know what? You can't be everywhere. So you focus on where you can be. Um, my my daughter's always right. Instagram. But yeah, I, I, maybe it's a yeah. generational thing. I don't know. But I can't get into it. Um, well, Elisa, I have a, thank I have you so a, much. I have an almost 19-year-old, and she does it. She teases she me about not being on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, um, Kian, stay in touch. Uh, certainly let us know about your new releases, and then we'll put them on the um, Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook page. Um, and, you know, again, if we do one of these um, roundtables, I certainly would, you know, if you would be interested in, in participating once I get myself organized, um, hopefully we will hear from you again. So thanks again, Elizabeth. This has been really great. Um, just want to remind everyone. Um, information about the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books um, upcoming shows is on the Facebook fan page, so please like that. Or you can go to my website, BernadetteWalsh.com, and there is a tab for Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. Um, also, if you want information about my titles, some of the ones I talked about in this interview, Johnny Be Good, which is my latest release, and also Friends Forever, which was my story about not my college experience. <laughs> but anyway, covers and by links for all of that are on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So thank you again for joining me. This has been a pleasure. Bernadette Walsh, Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>